What a wild playoffs it has been in the NBA. It continues tonight, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on your Sirius XM Channel 80, friends. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, in case you haven't noticed, the last couple of nights, I have uh, given you a couple of little minor parlays to play. And, you know, let's just say when you're right a little more than half the time, you're going to be wrong a little less than half the time. Well, you haven't been right all week. All right, well, it's twice. Let's not get nuts here. No, you weren't were right. No, you put, you, put par- yeah, you put the parlays together and they didn't work. All right, well, they didn't work. That's why we have Aaron Dolan on right now, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst. Follower on Twitter, at Aaron K. Dolan. Aaron, we appreciate a few minutes. How you doing? Of course, I'm good. I was just laughing at how you were saying you can't hit parlays. It's a very, very common thing. You should be making straight bets. I, I should be, but I'm not that bright. <laughs> and that's really what it boils down to. And they're I not think even people just like doing that for fun. But it's not even I'm not trying to hit that. the elusive twelve teamer right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am right teams? now I am just shooting for the two part parlay two, two the leg, two leg parlay, two leg parlay yeah. and i'm coming up empty there i had the bucks on the money line last night and obviously that was a disaster oh yeah that is a disaster and yeah. that, that was important nobody was expecting that All right. yeah but the one that hurt was on monday when you had game one suns mavs and you took the over on Doncic's 30 and a half and you had the suns plus i mean uh the, the mavs, mavs plus, plus five, five and they came up just short Ooh. yeah that was the one that hurt. Yeah, especially after a good fourth quarter. Yeah, that was the one that hurt. All right, so, Aaron, we need to try to make some money here. So, as we look forward to tonight, <laughs> what are you looking at with what we got tonight? All right, we'll start off with the 76ers heat. For those that don't know, I am a 76ers fan, so this is just not really fun for me. Nothing's been fun about this. <laughs> I know you're after. not playing the over on um... James Harden points. <laughs> dating him i was never a big fan of this whole trade anyways i mean i'm glad we got ben simmons off the court i guess james harden makes a little bit more of an impact than him but yeah i'm actually fading him going under points rebounds and assists under 40 and a half i did just see a dip to 39 and a half on some of the books but victor oladipo and tj tucker they're absolutely able to shut him down their perimeter defense is just so good i do think tonight surprisingly that this game will go over 207 and a half it opened 206 and it's moved up slightly. A lot of people thinking that this will be another low-scoring game, which, yes, in ways I could see that argument, but I just think that we're going to see positive shooting regression from both these teams. The Heat finished 9 for 36 on three-point attempts, and then the Sixers, they shot 17.6% from three. Danny Green, Niang, and Harris, I mean, they went 2 for 16 from three-point range. And the Heat's defense designed for players to take those shots, so I think tonight just naturally some of them are going to fall, and we'll see over 207.5. And, and then, yes, again, like the James Harden, uh, under points, rebounds, and assists. And then I also like Tyrese Maxey over two and a half made threes. Again, they just shot terrible. We'll see some positive shooting regression. And a player like Tyrese Maxey has to step up, and James Harden's probably going to be, you know, passing him the ball most likely. I don't know if they're going to sit next to each other, but he's passing him the ball. <laughs> All right, Aaron. So I got to ask you about the late game tonight with Suns and Mavs and DeAndre Ayton's point total at 29 and a half. Are you going to go over or under with that one? So I like Aiden uh, over 29.5 points and rebounds. Um, I think you can combine the two because I'm a little nervous about him being able to be super effective in terms of scoring. I don't think there's anybody to guard him. Dwight Powell, Maxi Clubber, they're not great. They're obviously a lot shorter, or I should say, aren't able to cover him just because he's such a big guy. And I feel like the Dallas Mavericks are just so focused on that perimeter defense, and it makes sense when you have Devin Booker and Chris Paul up there. 
but I just think there's going to be nobody to guard him. And when you saw him play in that fourth quarter, they switched him out for Cam Johnson. That's when the Mavericks started to come back. So I do think he'll have another big game in terms of, you know, rebounds and points. So I do like over those combined. Aaron Dolan joining us, ESPN sports betting analyst. Aaron, is there a, not a trend, but a certain area that you're looking at through the NBA playoffs so far that has been a good value for betters that you need to pay attention to moving forward? Yes, absolutely. Um, the one thing that I've been doing that was even successful in the first round is taking star players and taking under points, rebounds, and assists because these numbers are just so inflated because they're expecting the top players to go off because there's so much on the line. So the numbers are so inflated that taking the under seems to be pretty profitable. I mean, again, I'm a Sixers fan, but I stated Joel Embiid in every single game in that opening series doing this, and it worked for me except for just one game. So I think that you can do take a look at that. Yesterday I did it on Giannis, did under 50.5 points, rebounds, and assists, um, and that was profitable. And then tomorrow I'm already looking at doing that for John Morant's numbers just because he's been so sensational that there's just no way he can sustain doing what he's doing, which is not a slight at him. It's just I feel like the natural zigzag of the NBA. And then the other thing is just unders have been hitting left and right. I mean, we're seeing players getting ejected. I mean, obviously, defense is going to be better in the playoffs, but I didn't know that we were going to hit this many unders, which has been really tough for player props because, of course, you want to see a really good game when players going back and forth. But you should remember in some of these series, especially for the Mavericks' Suns, they're going to slow it down as opposed to some of the other teams like the Grizzlies and Warriors series. So, Aaron, we're, we're talking to ESPN Sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan on Kenny and Carlin. And, Aaron, we saw the game twos last night between the Celts and the – Bucks, and then, of course, the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Those teams don't play again until Saturday. Now, the lines on those games, the Bucks are laying three points at home in Milwaukee, and the Warriors are laying six and a half points at home in San Francisco. Do you see value in any of those two lines? And if you had to bet those games, which way would you lean right now today? Yeah, so if I had to bet these games right now, I mean, it's kind of tough not to take um... – the Bucks at home and lay the three, but there's also a part of me that just that series has been going so back and forth. When you look at the series prices for both of these teams, what's quite interesting is they're both one and one. But when you look at the series betting numbers right now, the Grizzlies are plus 245 to win the series, but then you have the Bucks as a slight favorite at plus 114. So clearly, the Celtics Bucks game is going to be a lot closer. The Bucks and Giannis know at home they're going to pick things up. They're not going to be able to do what they did in game two and get away with that. I also think that Jalen Brown was such an X factor, and that's something that I'd heard and, you know, been reading since before the series started. And he wasn't great in that first game, but then he was so great in that second game and jumped out just considering all the points he put up in that first half. So I think when you're looking at this line, you have to remember that you're going on the road. I think the Celtics and Jalen Brown, I don't really trust Jalen Brown as a player, um, especially since he's been kind of dealing with some of those nagging injuries. So I would probably lay it with the Bucks at minus three. Wouldn't be surprised if that got to minus three and a half. And then as for uh, Golden State and the Grizzlies, again, I'm taking that Morant prop and going under points, rebounds, and assists. But it, it's hard not to take the over as well just because both these teams play at such a fast pace and it's very noticeable compared to the four other series. So I would lean over for that game as well. All right, so Aaron, not sure if you're aware, but there's been a lot of talk on ESPN Radio between two of our shows in the daily lineup. Now, it's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max in the morning, of course, from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, and then Barton Hahn from 12 to, 2 p. Or 12 to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern time. Now, there's going to be a two-on-two game in the coming weeks. We haven't 
clear, uh, clarified when the specific date is yet. Jay Williams is a former number two pick in the NBA draft. Keyshawn Johnson was a former wide receiver in the NFL. Bart Scott, former linebacker in the NFL. Alan Hahn, former Division two guy. Wow, uh, so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> he knows I love him. He's six so, five. So here's what we're looking at. He, he is six five. That's true. And as I heard him say today, don't let me get one. <laughs> don't let me get one. <laughs> so I'm not actually. I'm wondering if you can help us out with something. We don't want to actually set lines on who's the favorite and who's going to win. On it's Jay Will and Keyshawn minus two seventy. We want to set some of the other prop bets for this particular matchup. For instance. Over under on number of dry heaves in a game between these two teams, <laughs> these two and two on two. Uh, over to under on total, total injuries as well, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. total injuries. Yeah. So I feel, <laughs> I'm wondering if you can help us like out. A, <laughs> well, first we need T-shirts made of like washed up league or something like that. Yes, I think for injuries, yes, you definitely yeah, got to have a hamstring. Yeah. Hamstring's got to be one over under half. For sure, that's definitely going to be one. Hamstrings over under um, a half. I I'm think that number's over. light. I'm going on over. <laughs> over all you think that's light? Oh, my yeah. gosh. You think all of them are going to be going down? Listen, you you're talking about water break. One, how many two, three, times? Four. You're talking about eight <laughs> hamstrings there, right? I mean, you got one guy that's a couple of years away from an AARP card, <laughs> Keyshawn. Just saying. So, well, we should be trying to get Max to be the ref in this. I would be dying at that. That's well, what we need to add in. We are going to be calling the play-by-play in the color of this when it happens. So we need to set, <laughs> if you could, just in the next couple of weeks, think about what might be some interesting prop bets for this two-on-two matchup. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We will get some in the works. Okay. We'll have some good ones. Like and, we said, and we said we're going to go with Jay Will and Keyshawn minus 240? That's where we were kicking it around yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. At minus 240 yeah. right now, just because Jay Will, listen, Jay Will, and they've all had their share of injuries. Yes, no that's question. A fair point. Han blew out his knee in college, too. But, you know, Jay Will <laughs> was the number two pick in the draft. They he have was. To, and is minus 240 yeah, he light? Yeah, he has an advantage. Yeah, I mean, is, is no, minus 240 light like right that. away? No, I don't think that at all. Okay. Yeah. All I right, think so it's a good price. We appreciate it. We will check back in with you as we get closer to the event. And uh, listen. Don't be shy in offending anybody. That's not a problem. We will take the heat for that. <laughs> Whatever you come up with, hamstrings torn, ankles shattered, and not because of anybody with a crossover, you just going down and writhing in pain. You come up with whatever you think is appropriate, and we'll take the heat. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Aaron Dolan, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst. Like, what else? Number of surgeries afterwards. Yeah, I'm trying to sit here and think. Who has a better chance of being able to, I guess, come out on the winning side of this? Barton Hahn beating Jay Will and Keyshawn in two-on-two or Doc Rivers keeping his job going into next season? Ooh. Wow. I might ride with Barton Hahn. (laughs) (laughs) I might ride with Allen. Wow. Like That's you, how bad it is. Like you said, don't let him get one. That's how bad. <laughs> that's how bad it is. Don't let me into my zone. Ooh, that's that's really really bad. Eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Your reaction to Ryan Tannehill's comments about Malik Willis was he wrong to say that he does not bear any responsibility in mentoring Malik Willis and. Should Dylan Brooks be suspended for one game, two games for his? Ugly, ugly foul 
that injured Gary Payton II in last night's game. We wanted you to hit us all up on that. 888-SAY-ESPN. You can also tweet at us, at Chris Carlin and at Chris Canty 99 Up next, though, speaking of the Grizzlies, there has been an unthinkable sentiment that has been put out there about this series and one of the superstars in it. We will tell you what it is, and it's an absurd comment, but people are already believing it. We'll tell you next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. People are fired up about Dylan Brooks and his swiping at the head of Gary Payton II that knocked him out of the series. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Hit us up on the Canty call-in line, the CC call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's hit Cam in Memphis next on ESPN Radio. Cam, what's going on? Hey, fellas, uh, I do enjoy the the back and forth and everything you guys have been talking about, but I feel like overall we're giving Dylan Brooks somewhat of a, uh, a a bad look. I think that, you know, when you watch it back and then you look at his past, it doesn't seem like it was intentional. His past doesn't have anything to do with this. His okay, past doesn't. Understood. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we all know that he did not intentionally try to hurt Gary the Pay- Gary Payton the second, but I think we all understand that what happened when he came wildly swinging at him and knocking him down, that that's the result of it, and they were trying to set a tone of being physical early in that game. Well, Carlin, he didn't even look at the ball when he took the swipe. No. He wound up and hit GP2 in the head. By definition, that's headhunting, period. Headhunting doesn't just happen in football. No. It happens in other sports, too. That is the basketball version of headhunting. There is no other way to frame it, and you can't look at this guy's past or his history and say, oh, it wasn't a dirty play because he's never done something like this in the past. That's BS. It's a dirty play, and it resulted in a player being hurt, missing, in all likelihood, the rest of the playoffs, and potentially jeopardizing this guy's career. You can't do it, and that's why the NBA has to come down on it, and nobody is trying to disparage Bill and Brooks. We're not trying to do that. We're not trying to sully his reputation. All we're simply saying is that was a dirty play that resulted in a player being hurt. The NBA has to step in because everybody last night saw it, and as far as the flagrant fouls go in this particular series – all they've done is continue to escalate. It's, they got to get control of it before it happens again. It's got to be And potentially swift. being being one of those marquee players being injured as a result of it. It's got to be swift and it's got to be harsh. And that to me is not one game, that's two games. Yeah. Because you can't let this get out of control. But one thing that is getting a little bit out of control mm. 
It was a brilliant performance last night by John Morant. Yes. Can we yes. stop? Can we please stop with the notion that I have heard quite a bit today? John Morant is the best player in this series. Yeah, we got to chill out on that one. Can we all just take a breath? Listen, I will be the first to irrationally react to one game. John Morant's been brilliant. He is a phenomenal player, and he is one of many faces of the league in the future. Not currently, in the future. Now, having said that, John Morant is not Steph Curry yet, guys. Because Steph Curry's been quiet first first couple of games, we're all of a sudden bailing on him and saying he's not the best player in this series. You watch. You watch what's to come. You think Steph Curry's going to go quietly in this series and not be heard from? Come on. Well, he, he was heard from last night, Carl, and he dropped 39 points. No, I, I understand that. But it, I'm saying, like, we're, we're acknowledging, we're not even acknowledging him like he's going quiet. No, uh, no, you know. no. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I will give you partial credit on your statement. Where I disagree with you is that John Morant is one of the faces of the league in the future. Now, I think that's now. John Morant has arrived. Like, he is on the precipice of superstardom. Mm -hmm. That's how good he is. Like, LeBron James came out and said, I don't consider John Morant for most improved player because he was better than that last year. And based on what we're seeing this year, you put that guy in the MVP conversation. That's the best – That. That has been the guy that's been the best player in the world for the last decade saying that about Ja. He's the goods. And the way that he performed last night, 18 points in the fourth quarter. And, Carlin, the most impressive part of that was with four and a half minutes left, the Grizz are down by four. This guy rattles off 15 straight points. They end up winning that game. Now, I will say that that game came down to that loose ball foul on Draymond Green with 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. If that call goes the other way, you're probably talking about a different outcome. But nonetheless, John Morant did everything. The Golden State Warriors defensively dared him to shoot in order to beat him, shoot it from deep, and he did it. He did it. He did it. So yeah. you got to tip your cap to him, 47 points. That's his second 45-plus point playoff performance, and he's only 22 years old. There's oh. only two other players that have had two such performances in NBA history. Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. I, I so get it. pretty special territory for Ja. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from him. All I'm saying is he's not at the Giannis level yet. Let's let's not put him there quite yet. No, I'm not putting him but with Steph Curry. I'm not putting him with Steph Curry. I'm not putting him with Steph Curry. Right. And, and Chris, when I talk about Steph being quiet, 39 for Steph is quiet on a night like last night. No, everybody's marveling about Ja, and I get it. We should be all be excited by what he does. But let's not pretend that Ja is already the best player in this series because he's not. He's not. Excuse he hasn't done 20, enough. I'm sorry, yet. twenty-seven by Steph last night. Or it, it, I mean, when retraction. When, when when Steph has a night like that, and it's quiet, you look at it and you say, "Well, Steph had a bad night. Twenty-seven is a bad night. Twenty-seven is an off night. Yeah. Eleven from twenty-five from the field. I thought is I was a bad going night. nuts there for a second because no. he shot. You know, I know he was like three of what? Twelve from three. Three of twelve from three. Yeah. Yeah. So. But the point is simply this. Don't because Steph has had a couple of games that haven't been his best, all of a sudden write him off and say, well, Ja's the best player in the series. No, we're not there yet. We're not no, there yet. I mean, Steph has got two MVPs in the trophy case, and one of those is unanimous. Yeah. He's a three-time champion. But, so Chris, ja, there has ja been talk there today. Yet. There has been people talking about that I, I'm, today, I'm and with I, you. I'm sorry. I'm with you. We can't get there yet. No, we got to put that to the side.
888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. More of your reaction to the Dylan Brooks play. Was it dirty and should he be suspended? Up next, was Ryan Tannehill wrong for saying it's not his job to mentor Malik Willis? We hit more of it. It's Canty and Carlin next, ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Everybody wants to chime in on Dylan Brooks, and I mean everybody. You'll hear in just a moment what I'm talking about. Tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. It's presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Happy to be joined by Robert Griffin III, ESPN NFL analyst. And that's where we're going to start, Robert. That's that's it. Your take last night on the Dylan Brooks play and if he should be suspended beyond just getting ejected last night. Hey, fellas. First, I want to say what's up. How y'all doing? Y'all doing Appreciate good? it. How you doing? I'm doing great. And when you talk about that play with Dylan Brooks, I, I, I think that the reaction that everyone is having and calling it a dirty play is because of what ended up happening to Gary Payton Jr., right, with, with the dislocated or fractured elbow. I don't think it was a dirty play. I think he was trying to prevent him from getting an easy layup, and he went to file him hard, and he accidentally hit him in the head. Just look at Dylan Brooks's reaction after the play. He goes to check on the guy because he did not mean to intentionally hit him that hard or hit him in the head. So I don't think that that necessarily now makes him a dirty player or that the play was dirty. His playoff basketball, he was going to file him hard, and he accidentally hit him too hard. And I think people need to back off of that. Robert, I'm not surprised that we don't see eye to eye on that particular play because we don't see eye to eye when I'm on Get Up and we're breaking down the NFL. But since you're on the show, we're going to talk about the NFL. And we got some headlines coming out of Nashville with Ryan Tannehill and his presser as team picks up with organized team activities. He said it's not his job or responsibility to mentor Malik Willis. Your thoughts on Ryan Tannehill's commentary and what actually happens in quarterback rooms in the NFL when you have an incumbent and you have a rookie? Yeah, Chris, well, first I got to say, you know, me and you, we can disagree, but we can constructively disagree on certain topics, and we do it very well. So I appreciate you for that. <laughs> uh, but when you talk about Ryan... Robert, Robert, hang on a second here. You're being way too go rational on, to really... I know you're somewhat new to it, but you're being way too rational. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you talk about Ryan Tannehill, uh, the problem I have is that he verbalized it. You know, I don't think that any quarterback that has a guy that's drafted behind them, that has a lot of high height behind them, uh, is going to go into that and be like, yeah, I can't wait to teach this guy to, to take, take my job. But Ryan Tannehill verbalizing it and saying that it's not his job to mentor him now makes him look like a bad teammate. And I know from talking to people who know Ryan and, and are in that building that he's not a bad teammate. But sometimes you just have to learn that you cannot say everything in front of the mic. And I think that's what that ended up being because now he looks like a guy who's not being a great leader because he says, I'm basically saying I'm looking out for myself. I'm not going to help the guy next to me for the betterment of the team. 
And it makes it look like he doesn't value the leadership as much as he should, because we all know that leadership comes with the sacrifice of ego, right? It comes with the cost of ego and he's got to put his ego aside and understand that if he helps Malik Willis, that's helping the team because anything happens to him, guess who's going to be taking those snaps behind him to try to keep them in the playoff race. It's going to be Malik Willis. But when you talk about the quarterback position, guys, there's only one guy that plays, and that's the difference between being a DB, a wide receiver, a D lineman, or any other position. Only one quarterback gets to play, and it's usually a room filled with alphas. I'll never forget when Lamar Jackson got drafted to Baltimore Ravens, and Joe Flacco said something very similar. It's not my job to mentor Lamar. Well, guess whose job it was to mentor Lamar, guys? It was my job. <laughs> and Joe <laughs> Flacco, the Super Bowl winning, the Super Bowl winning MVP, he just went about his business. He was a starter. He prepared like the starter. And anything that Lamar learned from him, he just learned it from seeing it. Most of the hard work and the mentoring stuff was left to me. So I just would have preferred that Ryan Tannehill just not say anything so we wouldn't even have to be talking about this right now. And he can go out there, make his 38 or whatever million he's making. Mm. That's, that's a lot of money. for, for It's a, a lot of money. Who, who, who seems to be somewhat, quote-unquote, threatened by a third-round draft pick in Malik Willis. So I just wish he wouldn't have said it because then we wouldn't be talking about it. That's a lot of money for an average quarterback to be saying what he's not going to do for the team. Just putting that out there, RG3. <laughs> just, I'm sorry. But it, just, it rubs me the wrong way. Robert Griffin, the third ESPN NFL analyst, joining us. Something that we have been kicking around a lot since the draft, and not specific to the draft, RG3, but when you look at the teams, one or two that have helped themselves the most, that have really taken a major jump this year uh, during the offseason, and the one or two teams that have really taken it on the chin this offseason and have gotten worse, who are you looking at? Uh, I mean, I I just got to say, like, the Jets, and Joe Douglas, I've said this a couple times today, Joe Douglas is doing an incredible do- job with that roster. Now, he does look like Will Sasso, but no one's <laughs> laughing about what he's doing with that roster. I mean, you go out and you get a number one wideout in Garrett Wilson. You go out you get a pass rusher like Jermaine Johnson who plays like his hair's on fire. You go out and you get uh, a three-down running back in Brees Hall. And, oh, let's not forget the first guy they took, Ahmad Sauce Garner, who's a lockdown corner. So, for me – I look at what the Jets have done, and I say, man, they they won the draft. They dominated the draft. But it's up to Zach Wilson and how he develops in year two to figure out whether or not they're going to actually be able to climb the ranks in that division with the Patriots and the Bills. Another team that I thought did a a great job is is the Tampa Bay Bucks. I thought they helped solidify their offensive line up front. Uh, That Kate Otten pick uh, from Washington, the tight end, that's a very sneaky good pick. He's got a similar skill set to Gronk. He can do about everything you ask a tight end to do. And he can do it really, really well. Um, and like I said, the offensive line, Gadecki, Luke Gadecki coming in helps protect the interior for Tom Brady, which anyone who's ever watched him play understands that interior pressure is the thing that really gets after him. So you have to solidify that in front of him because he's not a very mobile guy. Now, the, the team that everyone is, is kind of getting on that had a strange draft, pun intended, is the Patriots. Uh, with the picks that they took, uh, I actually like the Tyquan Thornton pick, but people will say I'm biased because he's, he's from Baylor. Uh, <laughs> but that was an interesting one, and it looks like they're leaning on the development of Mac Jones and all of those uh, free agent pieces that they brought in last year to say, all right, uh, this is going to be the team uh, that's going to take us to the next level. The draft isn't really where we're going to build that. And then, of course, the Rams. They have the, uh, the old saying of F them picks. <laughs> and they didn't have very many of them, and a lot of and a lot of their picks that they that they they took this year weren't really uh, guys that moved the needles 
for a lot of people. But right now, I feel like some teams are, are just not focused on winning the offseason. And, and that's okay because the wins don't count until September. And I think we'll be talking differently about some of these teams come September. Robert, awesome insight. Appreciate it as usual. Thanks. Oh, thank you, guys. God bless. Robert Griffin III, ESPN NFL analyst. Follow him on Twitter at RG3, as in three Roman numeral I's. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Big topic of discussion today, the fact that Dylan Brooks, and he, after his flagrant foul and his ejection last night, should he be suspended? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But up next, is there a team that we are overlooking that really has major potential to go from first, quite literally, to worst. We'll discuss next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It was only a matter of time before universities were going to start to get together and figure out exactly how they could rein in NIL because they are feeling the heat. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. So now college leaders are planning a crackdown on NIL collectives. This is shocking um, <laughs> because now we saw Jordan Addison, who we were talking about the other day, officially go into the portal. So now a task force is going to review NIL. Ooh, NIL. a task force. That's always the worst. <laughs> uh, why not a blue ribbon commission? <laughs> do they get badges for the task force? Like, do, they, do they have flashlights? I, I just want to know what, what the toolkit is for the task force. No kidding. Okay. No, I think a neighborhood watch I'm is sorry, more I, empowered. I'm sorry. I didn't want to derail this conversation. No, Continue. that's all right. I mean, because, listen, they want to clarify what boosters and booster-led collectives can actually do and can actually offer to student-athletes. And I am not shocked at all. It, this, listen. Can you make the argument that parts of it are, are, could be out of hand? I guess you could. But all I would say is these universities that have profited incredible amounts of money because of student-athletes for so many years now are getting frustrated because they're now able to go where the best deal for them is? Come on. Well, here's, the, on. Other, here's the other part, Carlin. I, I mean, wh- why is the booster money good for the school? For the academic institution, but it's not good for the student athletes. <laughs> Quite literally, their name is Booster. That, that, that's my point. We like, boost you. It, it was all good <laughs> when the boosters were giving to the programs and they were fully funding these athletic departments, not to mention building buildings all over the school campus. But now that we want to give that to the guys that actually generate the revenue, you know, the players, the free labor that you've had for decades on end in college sports, all of a sudden we have to launch a task force in order to regulate it. First of all, here's the thing, Carlin. It's not like college football didn't see this coming. It's not like college athletics didn't see this coming. State upon state was passing legislation that made it legal for student-athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. It's not the player's fault that these colleges 
or these conferences didn't put in more regulatory practices beforehand. It's not on them. So to try to rein this in is disingenuous because what it really comes down to is the coaches complaining. I want to use another word, but I'm not going to take it there because we want to be a kid-friendly show as well. But the coaches and the athletic directors complaining about how hard their job is because they got to recruit and they got to keep their own players from going into the transfer portal. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I've been trying. I've been looking. I really, really have been searching hard for a way to put one particular team into the conversation we're about to have, and I just cannot do it. It's Canty, Carlin, ESPN Radio. Hit us up on Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty 99 We are presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio Network. We were talking quite a bit about Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Mm. This is a team that was the number one seed in the AFC. Sure were. And Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions, and they lose in the divisional round. Adios, season over. It's probably an ominous sign when your quarterback throws an interception to start the game on his first pass, an interception to start the second half, and Mm -hmm. then an interception on his last throw of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's really... Probably not uh, a good thing, That's right? putting a nice bow on things, isn't it? Okay. Really wrapping up your day pretty nicely. Yeah, it just gets you fired up if you're a Titans fan for 2022. Chris, and oh, by the way, you traded A.J. Brown. You look at the Titans, and we were having this discussion before the show. Is there a team that is more capable of going from first to worst in their division than the Tennessee Titans? There have been 14 teams that have done that, that have gone from first to worst, just in a division, let alone, you know, finishing as the number one seed in, in the AFC overall. I have desperately tried to make a case, <laughs> and I mean desperately tried to make a case, that I could put the Dallas Cowboys into that conversation. I can't. The Titans can absolutely take a massive slide off the mountain. Yeah, I absolutely see it coming, and I'm with you on that one. And the reason we're having this conversation, Carla, is because it happens every single year. Just think back to this past season. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks won the NFC West in 2020. Where'd they finish? Yep. Dead last in that division. The year before that, same division, San Francisco 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Where'd they finish in 2020? Uh, 2020. Dead last. Dead last. I mean, it happens every single year. So you try to speculate after we've gone through free agency, after we've gone through the NFL draft, which teams helped themselves, which team hurt themselves, and what the outlook for the upcoming season is going to be. And for Tennessee, I can't say it's anything good. Look at what's happened in their division. The Indianapolis Colts traded for Matt Ryan. The Indianapolis Colts traded for Yannick Ngakwe to pair with Pay and DeForest Buckner on their defensive line. The Indianapolis Colts, Went out and signed Stephon Gilmore from the Carolina Panthers as a free agent to pair with Kenny Moore to second. The Indianapolis Colts are a better football team 
top to bottom than the Tennessee Titans. There's no question about it in my mind. Okay. Look but- at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're coming. All I'm simply saying is this. When you look at the Titans and you look at how they won games, it was the physicality of the run game through Derrick Henry. It was the physicality on the edges with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. You don't have any of those guys in the versions that it takes in order to get the best out of Ryan Tannehill, and that's my chief concern. Derrick Henry, we saw, missed the entire second half of last year with a foot injury. And you're talking about a running back that's had 900 carries over the last three years. At some point, he's going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. And where does that leave you if you're Mike Vrabel in the Titans? There's with Ryan Tannehill trying to win your games. There's one problem with this whole discussion. What's up? They have the best chance to do it. The problem is the Houston Texans. We have to make the argument somehow that the Houston Texans are going to be better than the Tennessee Titans this year. And as much, I mean, what we're saying in essence is, to me, that the Titans are going to win three or four games this year if we're going to circle around that. Because I can't, in good conscience, say that they're going to finish behind the, the Texans right now. But they did lose to the Texans. I last understand, year. but they're not. I can't, in good conscience, say they're going to finish behind. Well, listen, the Texans. Overall. The Texans beat the Chargers last year too. I, I listen. If, I, you, if you can beat the Chargers, you can compete with any team in the conference. I, I, all I'm simply saying is this: Do I think the Tennessee Titans are a better football team than the Houston Texans? I absolutely do. But if this thing falls apart because Ryan Tannehill plays more like the guy we saw at the end in Miami under Adam Gase and less like the guy we saw show up in his first couple of years in Tennessee then I could absolutely see a scenario when you're talking about the Titans being in the cellar in the AFC South, which is one of the worst divisions in all of football. I, I, I mean, think about it. If it's going to happen to any team in the National Football oh, League, absolutely. who's it going to be? Ab- it's going to be them. It's probably not going to be the Dallas Cowboys because you got the Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz and the New York Giants with Daniel Jones in your division. Exactly. Could I it, tried. Could it happen with the Cincinnati Bengals, no. the team that went to the Super Bowl? Mm-mm. I mean, maybe if Unless, you want to make the argument Pittsburgh's a good team, Baltimore's a good team, the Browns got Deshaun Watson. If you want to try to – it's hard to make the it's hard to make the argument. So if it's going to happen to somebody, it's got to be the Tennessee Titans. It just has to be. I agree. Barring a major injury to another quarterback around the NFL. I agree. I'm just – there's the best chance of that happening to them. That doesn't mean to me it's anywhere close to going to happen to them. Yeah. Because I'm not there yet. That has to have me saying, because I can't bank on market improvement from the Houston Texans this year, it has to have me saying that the Titans are going to go win three games. It has to, I mean, there's there's falling off a cliff and then there's falling down the Grand Canyon. And I don't think they're going to go from the number one seed in the AFC all the way down to losing or to finishing dead last in the AFC South. That, to me, is a tough pill to swallow.